As for me, I think I learned about it when Kotlin, like they announced it, I think some years ago. I was intrigued. I said, like, yeah, maybe this is yet again another multi-platform uh, technology that came out. And uh, but yeah, I've been using Kotlin for a while, and I was like, okay, this seems interesting. It wasn't like Flutter or the other ones that you had to learn something new. Or like a whole new language and then yeah i started playing around with it with some side projects i i really like that you can basically put it anywhere it doesn't really have to be just with mobile you can put it in a website in a desktop application and uh, i really enjoyed like the ideology or like the strategy behind it and how easy it is to integrate i've been using it inside projects i see it personally as the future of front-end development at least i think a lot of uh, in the future we won't have ios and Android and, and web, we're just going to have one developer that does all of these things. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is another episode of TouchLab Share. We're really excited to be joined by Guillermo and Zayad of Glovo. Quick little background on Glovo. They're an app that allows you to get the best products of your city in a few minutes. So obviously with a lot of the stuff that's happening in the, with the pandemic and, and really folks staying at home, I'm sure their business has been exploding uh, this year in, in a great way. So we're really excited to talk to them about their Kotlin multi-platform mobile efforts. So I'll, I'll hand it over to uh, Guillermo and Zayed. If you can just give a, a quick introduction uh, to yourselves um, and what you do at Glovo, that'd be great. Hi all, um, I'm Guillermo, I'm Argentinian living in Barcelona now. I'm an Android engineer, mostly Android engineer here at Globo. I joined the company almost two years ago. Yeah, my name is Ziad Gesser, I'm from Egypt. I've been uh, working at Globo for two and a half years now. I've been leading the courier app, the one that all the delivery guys use to get our customers their orders as fast as possible. And, and just to kind of give us an idea of the size of, of, of the, the products that you work on, do you have those kind of uh, figures and, and stats, like just some high level stats in terms of install base and, and transactions, anything like that that you can kind of share? On the top of my head, I think we're like in 24 countries. We operate in 24 countries, mainly around EMEA, uh, some parts in Central Asia and, uh, and Sub-Saharan Africa as well. Like I don't have the stats on the top of my head, but we are the biggest player in, in our region for sure. Got it. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that, that folks kind of understood because some of our audience is obviously in the United States and may not have heard of, uh, of Globo. I just want to make sure that, that they're, uh, they're aware of kind of the sheer size that you have in that particular part of the world. So um, congrats on, on, on all the amazing work you've been doing so far on that. I'm sure it's well-regarded. Um, okay, so the first question that I have is, let's, let's start at the beginning, right? Can, can you guys kind of both pinpoint when you first heard about Kotlin Multi-Platform Mobile? Um, and, and what were some of your initial thoughts there? For me, to be honest, I don't remember when I first met Kotlin multi-platform. I knew from the very beginning that Kotlin was not just another JVM language. I remember seeing something for JavaScript also, but at some point, I integrated plugin. I started to see some targets, and that was doesn't make any sense with the I was seeing before. And then I realized that they were planning the technology to have like an abstract way to to have a, the, an abstract language that you can then dump into any platforms. And that's when I realized about Kotlin multi-platform after researching on it. As for me, I think I learned about it when Kotlin, like they announced it, I think some years ago. I was intrigued. I said like, yeah, maybe this is yet again another multi-platform uh, technology that came out. 
and uh, but yeah i've been using kotlin for a while and i was like okay this seems interesting it wasn't like flutter or the other ones that you had to learn something new or like a whole new language and then yeah i started playing around with it with some side projects i i really like that you can basically put it anywhere it doesn't really have to be just with mobile you can put it in a website in a desktop application and uh, i really enjoyed like the ideology or like the strategy behind it and how easy it is to integrate i've been using it inside projects i see it personally as the future of front end development at least i think a lot of uh, in the future we won't have ios and android and and web we're just going to have one developer that does all of these things I think we talk about that a lot right kind of blurring the lines between android and ios and instead of just being a mobile developer in general we when you know the 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 use case of kmm at globo is particularly focused on analytics i want to focus um and talk a little bit about the pain points what are some of the pain points on on the mobile development front when it comes to analytics when when you're kind of dealing with with two platforms anything to share there that 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 you think is important Actually, it's not just two platforms for us. It's mostly four because we also doing this for web and backend has its own solution. But initially, we will consider using this for backend as well. So the pain points is the the ones that you may imagine. There was not like a clear definition of what are the data we wanted to track, and then some teams have um, something has defined an event. And maybe there was some case uh, difference, small difference between the events from one platform. Or, the, or between one platform and the other, or maybe they lack from an attribute, or they have different values for, for the enums. I mean, a lot of examples of this. Also, the biggest issue we had was when we started to introduce uh, a list of IDs as an attribute. It was serialized to, into a, an 82 string from the platform, which at the end for data was different. It was hard to identify what was the right separator between the one element and the other and was causing issues. So with all of this is when I started, I mean, actually it was not me. I was just looking, having some experimentation on coding multi-platform and a very nice PO we have here. See the opportunity to introduce this as a solution for the problems that we were having. At some point, my initially POC, which that it was just an internal testing for me because I wanted to try something. Before I realized we were we have a story for it and we have a, a whole team allocated to work on this. So I mean I don't know how it happened, but I need to thank Alina for that. You mentioned that Kotlin uh, Mobile Platform didn't look like just another multi-platform cross-platform solution. Was there something about it that made it stick out for specifically for analytics over other cross-platform solutions? Did you try any other cross-platform solutions? So analytics was a pain point for us because all our data analysts were complaining about like the data was inconsistent and then we couldn't get the like the value that we wanted to get it out of. And on the other hand, it was also the least invasive way to integrate it into the into our apps because analytics is basically we use the the library to generate the those events. So we make sure that all the events are the same but each platform uses its own mechanisms to report these uh, these events. This is why we went with the Kotlin multi-platform. We can just some, uh, have something that creates events and then each platform can take it as it is. And that made it a bit uh, seamless to integrate and we didn't have any issues with it. So you're able to kind of compartmentalize that part of it and not have to make a bigger change? Exactly, it's a dependency that we add as one line of code 
in our Gradle file, and then we can generate whatever events that we want. There is a, I mean, we are using Kotlin platform as a multi-platform library with its dependencies. One of the goals was for me when we started this process was not to change the way other teams works in the, the with the platform. So the short story is that we build everything based on Kotlin platform, but we publish an NPM package for web and we publish a Cocoa pod for iOS. One of the things that I find interesting is how your teams, right? The people that you interact with, your engineering team, the before and after. Guillermo, you put together this POC, um, the team, you know, built upon it. How did things look before? How did things look after? What were some of the improvements that were achieved with this um, call it multi-platform um, uh, uh, project that you put together? Kotlin multi-platform is just one piece of the whole solution. So it's not was not just the difference between the platforms. Our problem with analytics is was bigger than that. I mean, we don't have formal definitions of, of events from product until data. Basically, no one knows what events. I mean, there is no central repository saying this is uh, these are the events that we are tracking with this information. So we started from that. So I propose to have like uh, some YAML. Uh, a simple YAML format to document an event. You have the name, the description, when it's supposed to be triggered, and what are the parameters and these types. So from there, we generate code and code in Kotlin that is then merged with the base code of the Kotlin multi-platform library and produce these artifacts for each platform. We are doing even more. We also have a leading the same YAML. We now have an integration with our Confluence page. So every time the library gets updated with a new event, we also have a confluence page that actually documents the events for all the company to look at, look and, uh, and see what events are we tracking. And in the biggest scope of the roadmap, which we didn't implement, we also wanted to have live tracking on that. By our, our monitoring solution, uh, we can, in a way that we can see if this event that is defined is actually getting tracked by, by the platforms and see what version. That was a big picture, but we didn't went so far. So we just finished this project and that was a postponed to the second iteration that I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But also one of the changes that happened that we had a change in the process where now data analysts are the ones who create the events. So they go open a PR, they write a simple YML file, a YAML file, and then we as developers, we just go make sure that it's fine. We uh, open a PR, we review, approve, and then a new version of the library is released. That's another good point because mm -hmm. for this, business people or data analyst people need to reach developers to know what was the definition of the event or see source code. I mean, that was the gap that we were, we were trying to solve. Now we have YAML, which is a very clear and easy format. Anyone can understand it. And with that, or the, even the, the conference page, they can have their own answers. So now the code is just one step in the middle. This is super interesting to me, the way you're saying it was the least invasive way to improve. And you brought in different people from the business. You're leveraging their skills for what would make the most sense for them to work on in order to support other teams and what they need to work on. How did you go about figuring out where those puzzle pieces were, getting people on board and recognizing that this is what we're going to need to do and KMP is going to be part of that solution? We worked a whole quarter on this and I had a dedicated team 
for this. So uh, we have a dedicated PM, sorry, is product manager for this goal. I mean, we set all the, the heads together. I mean, we have people from business, people from data and engineers looking at the, okay, how we change these processes in a way that this better than it was before. So that was the goal. Uh, as I say, we, we allocate three months of last year working on this. Yeah, and this was like a priority for us because at Global, we try to take all our decisions based on data. And if our data doesn't make sense, it doesn't really translate into good decisions. So it was kind of a priority. One of the, of the goals that we wanted to achieve is as we are a data-driving company, the goal of this team is that we can trust the data that we produce. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. Um, you know, there's, there's a company-wide initiative that you want to standardize the data, be smarter about your business decisions with data, and, and KMP was one part of that puzzle of how you achieve that on, on the mobile front. And it provided that acceleration boost to you know do certain things once and have it be available on, on some of the multiple platforms that you support. So that's certainly both a business accomplishment and a technical accomplishment. So again, congrats and for kind of pioneering that work and, and, and sharing the story with us because we definitely find it interesting and it's something that we're seeing across our clients as well. Can we go a little bit, I, I don't know if you already touched this uh, upon this a little bit, but can we go into some of the technical aspects of the solution? Is there more for, that you want to share about that? A big scale, we have defined like some base interface or after classes that will represent the different kind of events that we have. I mean, like a screen event, screen event, a custom event. It was more tied to the underneath solution that we had before. And some generic logic, like an analytic service that can accept that event, make some transformation internally. The actually data sending to the underneath technology that we had before, which is in particle, was kept into the original platform. So basically, our analytic solution is just a translator between high-level objects into low data. We did it like this because we don't want to interfere and we want to both solutions to exist for a while with the existing platforms and each platform has its own way to satisfy dependencies, to configure the SDKs, all the stuff. So we cut the scope and we say, okay, our library, which the goal was just to be a translation of, of, of the data. We have several, I don't know how deep you want me to go in details, but mostly for web, I mean, we have, I mean, Java, JVM was not the problem because it's the native, it's not the problem. We have two big issues, no issue, but challenge with, uh, of course, iOS and JavaScript of different kinds. Let's start with iOS. The, the, the main issues was for, for iOS guy was uncomfortable to use because even if it is, it has, the, the genetic code has three annotations, it's not three, it's a ShiftC. So they don't have like the whole documentation. They don't have like a good signature or stuff. And also there, there was some problems with typecasting, mostly with optionals uh, and native interheads and loans. I grow some base code to overcome this, but it's not clear as, as I would expect for them because uh, I mean, at the end we were just pushing them code and I expect to have thrift and they didn't. But I'm hoping that that could be, have a lot of improvement in the future. And the second big issue, which was a big issue for us also, was the memory management. I mean, if you are using Kotlin multi-platform, you may know at this point that the memory management for Kotlin native is different than the, the, the one that we expect, mostly for the this thing uh, uh, mutable or share uh, mutual exclusion. So for us, I mean, even if we don't have much collection in this approach, because we don't, I mean, it's just a mapper, uh, we did keep like a global set of attributes 
which was um, in, in the main class in the main service. So those, all events will have these attributes by default. So you can set them, which implied that we have a mutable map. Uh, for coordinating, there is no, at least as far as I know, there is no mutable share collection that we can use by default. That's one way I realize about you because you have your set of, uh, actually I contacted you for this. You have your set of collection build up in coordinated platform regarding this. But at the point that I was working on this, there was no support for, for, no support for web, which was a blocker for us. So I ended up building my own easy approach just for the mutable map uh, for content native, but we have a big issue at some point because I made a mistake and it was not detected by the test. So basically all the phones end in the initial loop. Uh, hopefully we managed to fix this, but Anyway, the, the, we have that issue. So that's for iOS. Uh, for web, surprisingly, Kotlin uh, JS is pretty much mature for, for the way I see it. Uh, we don't have much issues. The big issue that, I mean, not the big issue, the, the main problem that I see and probably that still exists is that Kotlin JS is great if you, if you are writing code in Kotlin, but if you expect, for instance, from the feedback that they get from the web developers is that they will expect that the regular uh, script object will be translated automatically to to a map in Kotlin and that's not the case because the way how we work internally maps and collections had their own class at the point we built this we don't have didn't have type TypeScript either now we have TypeScript but we didn't migrate yet so they cannot know exactly what was the signature that was expected so to overcome that uh, and because I wanted to basically make easy for them to work on this, I grow some with with the Kotlin multiplayer feature that is spec and actual. I grow some internal hacking. I mean, it's a hack. I know I, I documented as a hack, but basically I will accept anything from them and I will try to convert it. If I was expecting map and I have a JavaScript object, I will convert it to a Kotlin map internally and strengthen it for them. So the way they are happy, they just provide whatever they want and I will translate internally into the JavaScript target with the actual. We will do all the conversion and for the other target, it's just do it on the same option. Technically, technically, I think those are the biggest challenges that we face besides the packaging issues that we have. I, if we have time, I can comment that later, otherwise we can keep it. It's the way we use the library that we have the decisions, not the, it's not the way that they use this library meant to be used you won't have these issues. I also remember like uh, backend, uh, our front-end developers, they were also saying that the size of the library would be very big. And that was like a concern that they had. And uh, yeah, we're still trying to figure that out. I know that the JetBrains people have this as a priority. So we're uh, looking closely for this. That's a clarifying question that um, is that Largely around JavaScript or iOS or both, as far as the size concerns. Uh, no, for JS. We didn't have any claim for iOS size, but probably it's also big. I don't know. I mean, they didn't notice. I'm like in the middle of, of having a Twitter discussion about size, like right now. <laughs> so like, I, I'm literally trying to open it up. We have this size test run internally. We have this blog post we've been working on for about six months. It's just never been published. Uh, doing size tests. It's interesting. Going back to actually to, to, the, to the collections thing, I guess two few things. One, the stately collections, kind of whatever. I, I, I am somewhat looking forward to the, the new memory model, although it's going to be a little while. 
um, but I'm hoping we'll get some previews sometime soon. Right now, for SQL Delight, actually, the internal driver, I'm, I'm coming up with, it's, I don't know if we're going to publish a thing, but we're taking like iOS's just dictionary and list and wrapping them in some protections around concurrency and just using them, frankly, rather than trying to do anything more exotic. But you got to be careful because if you, if you write your own concurrency code and things don't work right, there's obviously potential for issues, but it's an interesting thing. What do you think if that new memory model becomes stable? I guess this is a loaded question. Like, do you think that'll help with adoption? Like, of course it's going to help with adoption because then you don't have to worry about the, the weirdness of the memory model. I guess it's like not even a useful question, <laughs> but anyway. No, I was just saying for us, this uh, whole memory thing, like, I think it's, it, it is a friction that you have to deal with. It's also like a paradigm shift. If you come from the Java world, you need to understand how this works. But yeah, it's something that is the reality of the, of the technology right now. Yeah, for me, I mean, it's not just Java. I mean, even iOS, everyone is new to this approach to the mutability approach. I, I kind of, I, I think I remember someone, let, I don't know if it's official or not, but someone were considering just to relax that restriction. So you can adopt it for Kotlin native if you want it, but you can just have a regular uh, memory uses on Kotlin native. It was a big problem just for me, but also for the iOS guys, because if they build, I mean, did they have an offset that was built inside the library with Kotlin native, it will have this restriction. But offsets that are built or created, instantiated outside the library in the regular iOS approach won't have these restrictions. So it's a bit messy, the integration right now. So for me, it would be great just to have like a regular offset. I will take care of uh, immutability of the concurrency problems uh, to relax this because we don't want to have, actually have coroutines or all the stuff that this was meant for. So, but we don't have that right now, at least at the, at the moment that I was working on, on, on that. The, the hallmark of a good engineering team is that you're able to solve challenges. And something we don't shy away from is that every technology has challenges. And of course, KMP does too. You brought up earlier, like it wasn't like Flutter where you had a whole new language. So you, you had that going for you with KMP, but you still ran into challenges. And part of the thing is what challenges do you run into? Is it how do you solve them? How do you work around them? Is there a way to say, okay, that was a bad decision. Let me try something else. And some choices are more difficult to do all of those things. And so I think you're doing a great mm -hmm. job with recognizing those challenges and, and working through them. And why Kevin is asking is because we're, we're here to support our clients and we're here to support the community to make, our, make their way through those challenges. So thank yeah. you for, for raising those and bringing those up. Thank you. And it's not like Android has no challenges or iOS, like each platform comes with its own baggage. It's not like it's all a green field here, but I think here, or at least both of us, we see it as a, like a step into the direction we see like coding and like development is going and uh, we're excited about it. And we're happy to be one of the people contributing to this from the beginning. Yeah, I think I think that sums it up perfectly, right? Um, investing in innovation on the engineering front and and what the future might look like. So you're certainly on your way there with with a lot of the questions that you've already answered, and I'm sure there'll be more to answer. I I wanted to open it up to to, to my folks. Um, anything else from from a technical perspective? Any other additional questions you want to ask before we kind of uh, close out here? Have you guys uh, tried out the um, the new backend at all, or are you still using the legacy one? Because I know that's where most of the size improvements they've been focusing on are. To be honest, we're still stuck with Kotlin 
We have a task. We are now both working finally at mobile platform team, which is our core team dedicated to mobile as a whole. The library now is in, inside this, the scope of this team, and we have a task, but it's not uh, prioritized this this quarter to work on that to migrate and try what breaks and how, <laughs> what improves in coding 1.4. Hopefully, the size will be one of those stuff. But I mean, I, in JavaScript side, the way we solve or mitigate this issue was to apply in the Shake Tree Shake uh, technology. It, it, this is a plugin that comes with with Kotlin, and then basically will strip off anything from the library that you are not using in your code. And that's one one of the main reasons why we can escape the the, the solution into a new libraries, because now we have. A, Kotlin that is uh, a Kotlin library that is shake uh, only, a uh, string only for the library that we are publishing. And we're gonna have a second one uh, with a new library that was going to be a mess. So right now we, we put this on hold until, uh, until we can find another solution if we would decide to scale to another. Because there was other teams that wanted to do something with multi-platform as well. And I said to them, okay, this, this, don't do this for now because we, I know we have this problem with the second, if we are at a second library. I don't know. I mean, let's hope that maybe in Kotlin 1.4 is solved, or maybe it will be in 1.5, but I see the picture that in the future will have, for me, multi-platform libraries, not just multi-platform, Kotlin multi-platform as a, as a base code, as it's think right now, but being able to publish multi-platform libraries that you can consume natively in any platform, not just in the Kotlin build, in the, in the great build or Kotlin build. That's, that's for me the big picture. If we uh, as a community can achieve that, it will be a game changer because then you can just write once for all the platforms, it's a library, you can consume it and you have assured that by the language that it's the same logic on all the platforms. And that just saves a lot of time and money as you guys know. <laughs> My final question, right? Um, looking back at this journey, the experiences learned both from a technical perspective, both from a people management perspective, if I were to ask you, what is like the best way to kind of have your enthusiasm for this new approach that you're, that you're looking to implement with Kotlin Multiplatform, what is the best way to kind of share that with, with the other folks on your team and kind of either get developers, get management, any lessons that you've learned on how to bring people along to kind of realize this vision that you have for, for what the future might look like? So like in our case, it was more of a necessity that pushed us into that direction. It wasn't uh, something that is like, hey, this is cool, let's do this. It was like, hey, we need to solve this problem now and <laughs> let's get on. I think the biggest challenge to scale or like to get more adoption within your organization, I think is convincing your fellow engineers from iOS or JS to contribute and consume these libraries. At the beginning, uh, people are averse. They don't want to do this. They feel they're going to spend less time doing on the stuff that they like. But eventually, I think Kotlin is a great language. A lot of people like using it. It's, uh, it's easy to learn. And especially for iOS developers like Kotlin and Swift are more or less the same syntactically at least. So yeah, so it's just about really trying to put yourself in their situation, uh, do a lot of pair programming, showing them the benefit, basically try to get them to see the solution through your eyes. And, uh, and like, this is at least personally, uh, this is how I was able to get more people on board. What about you? I was thinking the answer, to be honest. I, I want to split this answer in two, from a dreamer perspective and then from a realistic perspective. 
from a dreamer perspective, I will say it will be easy. I mean, for you as, as an engineer to sell this to business, to sell this to anyone, actually, it's easy because at the end you will say, we can do this only once, make sure it runs on any platform. So you don't need to have multiple people working on this with the issues that they may uh, have having this. Let's do it. I mean, let's have an app from scratch. If you have an app from scratch and, and you want to have it, I mean, scale uh, or the beginning, let's do it. I mean, it's a nice technology to try to work on. It's easy to, to, to do. You may have some issues, but if this is the core of your technology, of your, of your app, then you won't have any issues. Then from the algorithmic uh, perspective, if, if you're in a company already that they have its own products and this product as, as us is already start and they have the like, I mean, uh, web is using Vue, uh, iOS is, is using Xcode or Swift or whatever. It's easy to, to say, let's switch to Cotermetry platform because they can basically, they need to throw all the application away and start it from scratch. Or you can go with this hybrid that we build. So if you are in that position, I mean, which is probably most of the companies that right now have the, are in this position, they have their own products and they want to try something in the platform. Basically, the way I picture it, you have two ways. Either you start an app or a solution from scratch, or you try to follow this path that we and we will happy to assist you because we need to do a lot of tolling, a billion research on this. Basically, just focus on a small problem. A problem that you may improve with Cotermity platform, but if it fails or it is become too messy, you can easily switch back to the previous solution or replace it with a pretty much less effort in the native technology. So focus on that. Give it a try, research something and build something. The way we did this was by polishing native, as I say, by polishing native packages so they won't break any builds that they have already, at least in theory. Uh, but that, that would be my advice. Just focus on a, on a problem that you can manage. Don't try to go big and say, we will all switch into multi-platform if you have that already started because it's going to fail probably. Yeah. Because there is a lot of challenges to do. The rest is just try, uh, keep trying research, maybe help, I mean, not, not just research, uh, contribute, make your solutions, make them public, uh, make suggestions to, to other people, like, as you are do, doing with the collections. I, I, I know your library is bigger than that, but this is the part that I remember. But let's try to do this. I mean, I don't want to say that this is the future, but this is a good direction for the future, the way it's going. I, I see the I see the end at some point, the vision. I know, but I also know that we are far away from that vision right now. I mean, we need to keep all of that. We need to be working on this. You need to remember that worst case scenario, you end up with like an Android variant that works that you can still use. That's what we talk about all the time, right? On the Android side, it's really no risk. On the iOS side, it's recoverable. You can kind of scale back if you need to, and you don't have to throw everything out. You don't have to start everything from scratch. So the fact that it's incremental is certainly appreciated. And, and I'm glad that, that you saw benefit from that from that approach. And, and that was the approach that you took, because I, I do think we share a lot of the same philosophy, right? In terms of wanting to do things better, trying things out and, and keep, you know, fighting to make them work. And then, and then also the, the fact that we also use the same kind of framework in, in some parts of our organization is great. I want to thank you both. This was amazing. There was so much information shared here and, and the transparency and the, and the fact that you were able to kind of share the good parts, the bad parts, I think will be super beneficial 
to the community. Is there anything that you want to kind of promote, tell our audience about any parting things like that? If not, totally fine. Uh, but just wanted to give you an opportunity for that. If you are in any of the countries that we operate in, yeah, use global. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that. I look forward to that when the, when the, when the world opens back up to definitely uh, download the app and, uh, and I'll ping you when I, when, I, when I make my first order. So thank you both. Thanks to the folks on our side as well. And we'll conclude here another episode of Touch Life Share with the Globo, with the amazing Globo team.